once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. The modern superhero was born in 1938 in the form of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster's Superman. He's not the first such hero, see Gilgamesh, and certainly not the last, but a constant of these heroes is some sort of strength or power to overcome their enemies. But only Jesus can help us overcome ourselves. Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series The Great Rescue with this message entitled Strength from a Mighty God, which covers Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Thank you for joining us today. All right, so how important is a name? Juliet asked Romeo that question, the most familiar. She answered her own question, uh, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet, which was basically saying a name doesn't mean a whole lot. Call whatever, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Well, in the horticultural world, maybe that's the case, but otherwise, I think it makes a great difference. It really is an important thing, so important that uh, many people are spending a lot of money to get their names changed in court. There's a lot of apologies being made from parents to their children for what they named their children. I remember reading years ago uh, about uh, these twins named Ima and Yura. I read their obituary uh, not too long ago. It's been several years now. Their obituary, many of you remember, you've heard of that, uh, but wouldn't be too bad except their last name was Hogg, H-O-G-G. I would be like, hey, I'm a hog. Hey, you're a hog. So you can imagine, you know, there was a study done of 15,000, 15,000 people. uh, And of those in the group who had unusual and embarrassing names, do you know they were four times as likely to be in trouble and many of them in major trouble? It really does uh, make a difference. Uh, God changed names, did he not? We're familiar with Abram, changed to Abraham, father of many nations. You think of Peter in the New Testament. Simon, who is now called Peter, which means rock. God was to use him as a a foundation piece in the life of of the leadership of his church. Uh, We know that names are tied to destiny and purpose and, and even identity. Isaiah, by the way, before I get into Isaiah, just probably ought to add too, you know the meaning of Randy, don't you? It's O humble one. (laughs) Well, you know that's not true. In fact, some of you do know the meaning of Randy, and we hope that it doesn't always show identity. It's not a good word. But anyway, (laughs) Jesus comes along. The word Jesus in the Greek, as we might uh, translate it in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, Joshua. Uh, literally, Jehovah is Savior. So Isaiah comes along, and we're in a series, and uh, the great rescue out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9, 1 through 7. And there we've already seen, if you've been with us and review quickly, we have seen the names that God gave to Jesus through Isaiah, and this has been now 700 years before Christ. And so the Scripture tells these four names. And so let's put them up very quickly and then we'll see the scripture itself. First of all, wonderful counselor referring to the guidance that we get from him, the plan that we need for our salvation. Almighty God, we have to have someone with strength to be able to perform the plan. 
Everlasting Father, we have to have the security that there is one who loves us enough to bring about the rescue that's needed. And then Prince of Peace, the peace that we all need and that we gain from the work that God has done. So he's, he's made known to us by these four names. Let's read just the uh, sixth verse of Isaiah 9. It says, Therefore a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, last week, we explored the whole idea of Wonderful Counselor. What does it mean that he is our Wonderful Counselor? In doing so, we gave a historical perspective, and basically, in summary, it showed us that Judah, who is being written to, by Isaiah, actually by God through Isaiah, and basically the people were not trusting in God. They were looking to other means to deliver them from the, the predicament that they were in, and they were looking for someone to rescue, but not the right one. And God is saying through Isaiah, trust, trust, trust. This is who you have as your deliverer. He is the one to rescue. We also gave a, uh, we went through verse by verse and tried to Break down the text to understand the verses that precede it where the, the rescue is promised. And then verse 6, obviously, we're going through over the series. And then verse 7, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the rescue itself is described, how it takes place. So in our verse 6, we have the rescuer, as we would call it, and it is strength from a mighty God. And that's what we look at today. The word mighty God, El Gabor, El God. Gibber or Gibor, as some say, would be heroic, thus a heroic God. That's who he is. You know, we love heroes today. Our kids today all have their heroes, do they not? When I was a kid, we had our heroes, whether it be King Arthur or Robin Hood or Superman. And today, you know, it's turned to Spider-Man and to Green Lantern. And I got a list of them here. I don't know any of them. But anyway, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> if you look at the adult world, though, we... We know what it is to have our own heroes, do we not? If I were to use the word seal, in this day and age, the adult world would not think about some kind of mammal. They would think of the Navy SEALs and the teams, such as the one that went in in the Bin Laden episode. If we were to simply use the, world, the words, let's roll, we immediately think of that Flight 93 and Todd Bremer and what he did, well, among others, to protect the lives of many, many innocent people that would have otherwise died. If I just say the word Sully and the, uh, think of the Hudson River, immediately images come back of a great hero and the way he helped to make sure that many lived that otherwise would have died. And the story goes on and on. We love our heroes. Let me tell you, folks, there is no hero to compare to our mighty God. He is the great rescuer. And so as we look at that, we want to see how he's rescued us. And I'm going to suggest that what we're going to talk about today, very briefly here, there are three villains whom God has rescued us from their tyranny. And I would suggest that unless we as Christians understand how we've been rescued, we won't understand the power of our God. 
Very important for us. You that are seeking to understand the faith of Christianity. You don't want a God that, oh my goodness, I couldn't help that. I wish that had never happened. Oh, that was a tragic accident, but I, what could I do? I was just, you know, I'm just in the heavens. No, you want a mighty God. You want a God that's going to intervene in time and space. And you believe not only wants to, but absolutely can. In the book of... Uh, in the book of Revelation, we're taught some things about Satan. Uh, throughout the, the ministry of Jesus, we learn a lot about Satan. We learn some things that were taking place before Jesus even came to earth. Do you know that Satan, after the angelic fall that brought about our Satan as we would know him, do you know that during that time from then onward, that he obviously had the opportunity to stand before God in some way and bring accusation against the people who were his followers in the Old Testament day. And he brought accusation against them. And he'd say, uh, that uh, Levi, he's not been redeemed. He may follow, but he's not been redeemed. And there would be the accusation brought against them. It was during that time that Satan was given permission to deceive all the nations. And you can go to numerous scriptures to see as that is taught. Acts 14, 16. You go to, to uh, Psalm 72, uh, verse 11. But there are a number of scriptures. And all the nations except the Israelites, their eyes were blinded from the things of God. They couldn't understand. And then we read in the book of Revelation that there was a time when Satan would be bound or was bound from deceiving all the nations. And now even Gentiles, the vast majority of us is Gentiles. We have the capability of having our blinders removed and being able to understand and embrace the love of our God. Now, that didn't just happen. It took something very powerful by mighty God so that that could and would happen. Let me read it to you in Revelation 20, 1 through 3. It reads like this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer. Keep this up. Notice what it says here. And threw him. I want you to keep that word in mind. Threw him into the abyss. Why? So that one thing, he would not deceive the nations any longer. Until the thousand years were completed, after these things, he must be released for a short time. And by the way, people differ and disagree on the thousand years. My personal perspective certainly can be wrong. When great godly leadership disagree, as many do in this, you never get too dogmatic. I'm going to suggest to you it's not a figurative, num it's a figurative number. It's not, a, it's not an actual number of a thousand years any more than the, the number thousand in the cattle owns the cattle on a thousand hills is not an exact number. I mean, a specific it's referring to a very specific number, a large number, but not a thousand. It's figuratively used. 
I'm going to suggest to you it's the period between the first and the second coming of Jesus. And during that time, that's when Satan is, dece- is uh, bound, thrown down from deceiving all the nations. Now, the reason that is very important is because of what happens during that time. Let me explain though. Let me give you another text in Luke 10, 17 and 18. This is an interesting text. Here is Jesus. He's had his 70 disciples going out. They come back. They return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. As if something is amazing happening now. What's going on? Something's rumbling. And this is what he says. Jesus said to them, yep, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That word fall is the same root word, the same word as throw into that we had in Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. All right, let's look at uh, John 12, 31. This is an interesting text. The, uh, the disciples have been approached by some Gentiles, and they're saying, well, what about us? What about us? They come to Jesus and say, what about them? What about them? And he says, now judgment is upon the world. Something's about to happen. And by the way, this is right before his death and resurrection. Now the ruler of this world will be, and there it is, cast out. The same Greek word, thrown into, we found in Revelation. So if you're getting the picture, here this evil one is now being thrown into, meaning he is being locked away from doing one thing. Oh, he's still roaring about as a lion might roar and doing what he wants to do to hurt and bring all kind of pain and agony. But one thing he's not doing, he's not deceiving all the nations any longer. But it says there will be a time for a short period that he will be able to deceive the nations. With that said, assume with me, just assume with me that Satan is real. And by the way, were you not to believe, if you say, I don't know, there's demons and Satan and I don't know. I wish you could have been with me the last few days. I met with about 20 pastors. We have been meeting together for 30 years now. This is our 30th year. I met with Jim Baird and Frank Barker, two of the men that have mentored me in their 80s, and they give leadership to this meeting. And Jim Baird said, I want us to talk for a while about the demonic world and our own experiences in touching it. You would have loved to have been sitting there and listening. And I'm telling you what, man, oh man, as I've often said, you hear that? You hear the experiences that I personally have had and some of you here, I'm sure. You'd say either you're a bold-faced liar or there is a real demonic world. But if it is true that he is real, and if it is true that it took the work of Almighty God to stop him from deceiving all the nations, including us. And if it is true that he wants to hurt us in every way possible, doesn't it become fairly important to you and me that we have a mighty God who can take care of us and deliver us from him? It gives us the joy of being able to believe what we find in 1 John 4, 4. Great text where it says, you are from God little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. So Jesus, first of all, rescues us from Satan. How? By binding him. So we've been rescued in that sense. 
Let's add number two. As mighty God, Jesus rescues us from sin. He does this in two ways. First of all, from the penalty of sin. Very important we understand how we are delivered from sin. You know, it's not just God saying, okay, you're forgiven. You're free. Go. No, no, no. I mean, it is so complex what has to happen for our sin to be taken away and his righteousness to be placed in us. Oh, it is big. In fact, Ephesians 1 tells us these six things have to happen. Number one, he chooses us. Number two, he predestines us. Number three, he redeems us. Number four, he forgives us. Number five, he gives us his inheritance. And then lastly, he sends us the Holy Spirit. No small things. Listen to this in context as we read verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, keep that word in mind, blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And now he begins to enumerate some of these blessings. Just as he chose us, there it is, in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Secondly, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, next, we have redemption through his blood. And next, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to this kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of all time, of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth in him. And then it says, also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. And we see the last one here. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the, rede to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And I read that simply to say, do you understand that it's no small thing if you and I are in God's favor in his family I mean, it is no small thing. He's done its incredible work. Who could do that? You and I say, oh, I'll, I'll work my way out of it. I'll be a moral person. I'll be religious. I'll be good. I'll go to church. I'll do good. And I'll be okay. No. Let me tell you, it takes all of these things taking place. Who can do these things? You can't. I can't. It takes a mighty God. It takes divine intervention. To bring us into a divine relationship with God. We can't do it in our own merit and effort. But he says not only are you delivered from the, from the penalty, but you've been delivered from the power of sin. I teach this a lot because this is so important to me. Romans 6, you know the story there. It says that in Romans 6 that we died to sin. We've been separated from a sin nature. 
We've been united to Jesus. We've been raised up to newness of life. And when he tells us that, it's basically to be understood. I like to use my hands to show it. Here I am. Here you are. Here is my sin, my nature of sin. Here's your nature of sin. When we're conceived into this world, we are together. Slaves, as Romans 6 says, slaves to sin. But then we die to sin. What does die mean? But separate. And we're separated from the sin, as the article is in the Greek, the sin, the nature of sin, we are separated from that sin. I don't have a third arm, but if this one held in place, a third one would come in and hear, this is literally my uniting with Christ, his spirit. And now I'm bound with him. I'm now a slave to him. I might be a faithful slave. I may be unfaithful in certain ways, but I am a slave and I've got a power within me to live obediently. But don't forget, here's this other hand still hanging around. That's Romans chapter 7. And then we come to the verse itself in verse 6 that explains it so well. And it says, knowing this, that our old self, everybody thinks that's the old nature. It's really not. That's you and me. That's Randy before he became a Christian. The old self was crucified. You'll never see Randy again as a non-Christian. It can't, if I'm a real Christian, I will forever be a Christian. And so I've been crucified with him in order that our body of sin, now there's that old nature hanging around. That our body of sin might be done away with. Very misfortunate translation because done away with really, it literally means rendered powerless. Oh, it's present. It's just been rendered powerless so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. And it's the illustration of the, of the pirates that are on their, their ship and the, there's mutiny. The old captain, they hate so badly. They, 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 they say enough's enough and they, form, they get a new captain and say, we want you to be our captain. The new captain says, well, don't, don't push him overboard. Let's do this. Let's just drop him off in three days. We get to land. We'll put him off. He's been rendered powerless. He has nothing that he can do to truly take us down. So let him free. And I'm going to tell you guys, now three days vacation, just enjoy yourself. And everybody's hanging around, and they're just, you know, playing cards, sleeping, whatever. And the old captain walks up, sees some of them laying around, says, get up and Swab the deck, and they jump up, and they start working. The new captain walks up and says, what are you doing? I told you rest. Why are you doing this? Well, old captain said, no, 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 no. He has been rendered powerless. And in my life and in yours, the old captain says, you be selfish now. You need to be selfish. The old captain says, you need to lust right now. You need to get that. That's important for you. Whatever it is. And we go, I, sir, I say. And the new captain comes up and says, no, you're now bound to me. That's what we say when we've been delivered from the power of sin. Not that there's not temptation. Not that the evil one is not tempting and doing all the things he does. But let me tell you, we have been delivered from the penalty. We've been delivered from the power of sin. And one day when we are united with him in eternal glory, delivered from the presence of sin. That's no small thing. By the way, I think more than anything else, I'm trying to teach Christians, you learn to appropriate the power of God's Spirit. You understand how to be filled with the Spirit. Because without the filling of the Spirit, you will not overcome the deeds of the flesh. That's why you worry all the time. That's why we are always having trouble with anger and all the things. We've got to be learning to appropriate God's power instead of relying, trusting on our willpower. He says, no, same thing he's saying to Israel. Don't you rely on these other nations. You rely on me, your God. 
So we've got the idea that, okay, he's, he's rescued us from, from one villain, Satan, a second villain from our own sin, its penalty and power. And let me tell you, there's a third. It won't take a minute, to, just a minute to share it, but it is an important one and so often overlooked. As mighty God, number three, as mighty God, Jesus rescues us from ourselves. We don't think about that too much. Paul did. This is how he says it, our last text, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. It says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected. You get it? In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, though he's being tortured by it, keep that in mind, his word, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that, by the power of, uh, by, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Look there. I, I can't say in the, most of the years of my Christian life that I could be content with weaknesses. How about you? I was with a group of pastors this last few days. I was talking private with a few and he said, let me ask you a question, because these were pastors of, of churches that, you know, wouldn't have the, the, uh, the type of uh, notable reputation, maybe not the size, those things don't matter, but they said, how do you keep, with God, God's blessed you through these years, how do you keep from exalting yourself? And I shared with them, I said, you know, most people don't, don't understand this, but you know my big struggle? It's not exalting myself. Mine is a self-esteem issue. Because I have a weakness. And it's a weakness. It's not a sin. It's just a weakness. I can use that weakness to, uh, to, to be sinful in attitude. But I have a weakness. It, and because of my weakness, you know, I never, I rarely could ever think of myself as a good preacher. I have a low self-esteem as a preacher. Because I go, oh God, but my weakness, my weakness. I see my weakness so much. And you know, only in the latter years have I been able to say, God, thank you for that weakness. I see how you might have used that. You got weaknesses, don't you? You've got your thorn in the flesh. I have begged God for years when I was in college. and I said, God, take this weakness away. Take it away. Take it away. You're not going to take it away. And you know what? Now I don't even ask him to. Because I see how valuable it is. You know, realize that God has to break us. That's part of the plan. And that's how he works with his power. His power is not just to let everything go good in our lives and everything's good and, oh, I'm happy all the time and no pain, no problem. No. His power is even perfected in our greatest weaknesses. So I close with these three little points, just as a summary of it. I say, first of all, I would encourage you, as mighty God, Jesus rescues us by what? Exerting his power by binding Satan. I would say, don't forget that. That's important. Number two, 
By imparting his power, how? By blessing us. Number three, by perfecting his people, how? By breaking us. Well, if you can remember this binding, his blessing, and his breaking, something happens. You know, I'm not a great golfer, but I love golf, and I've, I used to hate it, but I like it now. And, and I've learned something about golf. And, and I, I've had very good instructors say to me, Randy, here's the thing. You're thinking about the wrong thing. What your hands are doing or what your knees are, what this is. No, no, no. If you do this right, these things will happen on their own. And I tell you this, as Christians, when we start understanding the mighty power of God and we get a concept of the amazing gift of binding Satan on our behalf, of the power that we have through the blessing, we understand the blessings of God in our salvation. Not just you're saved, but look. And then we understand the beauty of our brokenness. Well, I'll tell you, something will kind of take care of itself. And we fall more and more in love with Jesus. We see the work of the cross. It means more and more to us. And so seeking people here that go to the cross, see what Jesus has done. It's what he did for us, not what we do for him. And Christians, we go back to the cross and all of his work and his many blessings and realize what a great salvation. But we don't have a great salvation without a mighty God. May God give us all an understanding of how mighty our great heroic God is. We got the hero of heroes. We're the blessed of all people. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do ask that you would grant us, even now, grant us to be able to embrace these realities, uh, that they might come clearer and clearer to us. The bottom line would be that we would fall more in love with you because of all that you've done. Thank you for being mighty God. Thank you for being the great rescuer. And the next week as we look at you being the everlasting Father, Jesus, thank you that you care enough that you would take the power to do all these things and care enough to make it happen. But we give you thanks in the great name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.